Blog Talk what? Radio. Double cups up. Roll, 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 full of trips. Man, I'm tripping. Man, I'm tripping. I be tripping. I be tripping. Man, I'm tripping. I be tripping. I'm in the club. for higher learning on the planet, Howard University, you know what I mean? So shout out to all my HU people that's listening right now. Um, so that, that that really came from attending Howard and, and meeting the people that I met while I was at Howard, like your Mark Pitts, who is, you know, the, the president, CEO, owner of, of Bostorm Entertainment, um, who I was signed with. That also came with me meeting up with... Um, uh, Shy, the group Shy also went to Howard, and I was actually signed to Carl Martin before I was signed to uh, Mark Pitts, who was a member of Shy. Um, that also, you know, came with, you know, the likes of, you know, sharing the campus with, with, with Sean Puffy Combs and, and Derek Dot Angeletti and Ron Lawrence and, you know, just, just a lot of the cats that's really prominent in the music and entertainment industry now. They all, you know, uh, basically attended Howard in, in one shape, 
in, in, in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So that's how I was actually introduced into the industry because as they left Howard and went on to um, become executives and things like that in the music business, it was it was basically that relationship that was built um, at Howard that you know that really pulled me into the situation because people knew that I you know did music and that I spit and that I was that I'm an MC and all that other stuff. So that kind of introduced me to the industry on a mainstream level. However, um, before that, um, we actually had an independent label. Um, me and my man Kals on top, Kals on Chandler, shout out to him, and uh, my man Kwame Anthony, who also went to Howard. We had our own label called Funky Hit Records that we kind of, you know, not kind of, but ran out of our out of the towers. You know what I'm saying? Which is, you know, somewhat of a dorm. It's like a dorm style apartment, what have you. But people at Howard know what that is. But we ran um, Funky Hit Records out of the towers. You know what I'm saying? So we we pressed up a maxi single. You know what I'm saying? And that's a term that a lot of cats probably don't understand nowadays. A maxi single is when you have more than one, you know, record. You released a single, but it was more than one record on that particular single. So it was a it was a three-song uh, maxi single, so to speak, that we released independently. So that was really my first taste of the industry, so to speak, but from an independent level. You know what I mean? Okay, you mentioned music prior to the industry. Growing up, were you surrounded by music? Oh, man, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it all starts in the crib. So, you know, my mom played the likes of, you know, from, from one extreme to the other, you know what I'm saying, from the likes of Aretha Franklin and Patti LaBelle and the Pointer Sisters and Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson and Jackson 5 to, you know, a lot of gospel records, Andre Crouch, the, uh, Ed, 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 Edwin and Walter Hawkins, Tremaine Hawkins, um, um, you know, commission, she played that in the house. So that that's where my first exposure came from, my mother. Um, and then, you know, it, it was just a... Uh, you know, just a, just a natural gravitation, and then when you know hip hop, when I was exposed to um, not only the culture but the music of hip hop, it was just a natural fit for me. I, I fell in love with it the, the, immediately. I wish, you know, hindsight looking, I would have grew up in New York City when it was really evolving. You know, before it got commercial with rappers delight and all that. Because now that I'm, you know, doing a lot of research and seeing what it is, you know, even to this day, you know, you know, the the, the culture itself really started before 79 you know it started in the early 70s you know what i'm saying late 60s yes. so yes. i kind of wish up i i wish i grew up in it then but you know i was exposed to it in 79 man when i heard you know rabbit's delight and it was just a natural fit from there on in you know what i mean where did you grow up i grew up all over the place uh, i was born in buffalo new york i lived in albany new york i lived in new orleans but i i always say that i was you know fr- that i'm from philadelphia because that's where i was raised that's where you know i i mean for lack of a better term I, I got my chops in philly you know what i'm saying not only from you know from a from a adolescent standpoint you know going from you know being a, a kid to a teenager and then you know graduating from high school and all that other stuff but it also gave me this this sense of I mean Philly's a tough city, man. So you know, Absolutely. Philly, you, you know what I mean. Philly is is, is very blue collar, it's very hard nosed. You know what I'm saying? It's, and and that's where I not only learn you know my 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 toughness, but also you know, and not to be narcissistic with it, but also my lyrical skills. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, again, growing up in the in the early and mid '80s, you know what I mean? When when you know people battle now, but it was battling in the street as far as you know uh, uh, MCing is concerned. I remember one, and here's the story. 
you know, that, that probably a lot of people don't know, but I, I remember calling Steady B out for a battle, you know what I'm saying? He wouldn't do it. Oh, wow. And I see why he didn't, you know what I'm saying? But because he had too much to lose at the time. You know what I mean? But, you know, you know, to be told I would have ate him up, you know what I'm saying? But that's just the MC in me, you know what I mean? But it was just that mm-hmm. type of atmosphere, and, 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 you know, in Philadelphia when you had Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince doing house parties and, and Cash Money and Marvelous and, like I said, Steady B and the Cool C's of the world and then later on a little bit later EST and all of them. But, you know what I'm saying, that that was the scene. Lady B, you know, you talking about the founding fathers, Lady B, Perry P, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but that was just the scene, you know what I mean? So, you know, Philly is where I, you know, I, I, I basically, that, that, I, that's where I, uh, own my skills and then took it on the highway from there. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So moving forward, you are at Howard, you're running an indie label out your dorm room. you got all this potential talent that you're around every day that you're, you know, consider colleagues with schoolmates with, possibly dorm mates with, these guys are going to go on. We're talking Sean Puffy Combs, we're talking Mark Pitt, we're talking Derek Dita, Angeletti, Ron Lawrence. These guys are going to go on to actually change and make history in the music industry. Mm-hmm. So what are the dots, no pun intended, what are the dots that connect you to Dita indirectly to Sean Combs how does that work out? Is it from the brotherhood of being at Howard? And basically once, you know, Sean Combs becomes Puff Daddy and Bad Boy Entertainment is born, you know, that's like a rocket being launched. Are you, you know, on that launching pad with that rocket being launched? How does the whole, you know, connection or, or the circle of you being involved with them indirectly or directly come about? Well, really, it was my relationship with Dot, first and foremost. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to, to Derek D. Dot, Angela, a.k.a. the Mad Rapper. That, that like, he was and still is a mentor to me. You know what I'm saying? He was the cat. It was him and his cat named China Black that, you know, to be quite frank, when I first went to Howard, when I, you know, my freshman year, first semester, is like, I you know, was interested in, in in becoming an MC, you know, on a professional level and interested in getting a deal prior to me going to Howard. But then when I went to Howard, it was like, ah, uh, you know, I might as well go ahead, you know, get my degree and just, you know, get a job somewhere in the field or in the realm of what I'm studying, you know what I mean? So I went in as a, a, a communication major, uh, you know, concentrating in, in sports broadcasting because that's my other love, you know what I'm saying? I love sports. So um, it was like, all right, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to get my degree, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to work myself in, through the ranks and become a, you know, a sports broadcaster, you know what I'm saying? But what happened was, it, it's like you know with, with hip hop, man. And even to this day, it's just it's just it's a part of you. It's it's who you are. So it's like I could talk all of that, but the minute I heard somebody rhyming on campus, which was D Dot in China, the minute I heard them and it was nice, it was like it just pulled me back in. You know what I'm saying? It's like nah, you, right. you, that's not that's not what you. I mean, of course, you're here to get a degree. You're here to get education. You know what I'm saying? But the the biggest piece about Howard is the network. You know what I'm saying? For me. Now, I don't know about anybody yeah. else, but and I'm sure there's a lot of people that would agree with me. The network is so bananas. I mean, even to this day, you know what I'm saying? You can call up or you, you tell somebody you went to Howard and they went to Howard, and it's, it's an automatic, instant 
you know, gravitation towards that person, and it's an instant love, you know what I'm saying? So um, when I heard them catch Rom, it was like, all right, I'm bagging the game, you know what I mean? So, um, okay. and then I looked at D-Dot as a bit of a mentor, and he actually, you know what I'm saying, he got, you know, signed while we were there. He was, you know, part of a group called Two Kings and a Cypher. And, mm-hmm. you know, just looking at him and him and Ron and the way that they were moving and shaking and things like that, it was kind of, it, it, it got me hyped. At the same time, he always looked back, you know what I'm saying, and saw me, you know, as, as a talent, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Not only as a, as a, as a, as a friend, but as a talent. So he, he never forgot that. He always reached out to me. He always included me in, in a lot of things, you know what I'm saying, as far as, you know, what he was doing and the production he was doing. So when he found out that Mark, was getting a deal, you know what I'm saying, up at Universal, I was the first person that he thought about, you know what I'm saying, and he took it to Mark and was like, yo, you know, and even though me and Mark knew each other, you know, at Howard, I don't think Mark knew to the extent of, you know, from a musical standpoint, what I was about, you know what I'm saying, so Dot really kind of planted that seed and said, yo, Mark, I think you need to, you know, you know, deal with dude, you know what I mean, but at the time, um, I was signed to Carl Martin Entertainment, which he had a label up under uh, MCA, I believe, at the time. So, you know, mm-hmm. because of, again, the Howard Network, it was a simple phone call that once Mark was interested because I was really kind of, you know, sitting on the shelf with Carl. He, you know, reached out to Carl, and I'm sure, I don't know, some type of buy or what have you. But, you know, it, basically it was an easy, smooth transition. I went from Carl's situation over to Bob Storm. And so that's how that dot was connected, no pun intended. It was through D-Dot, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, right. Just, just always, you know, being in touch and 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 seeing and making sure that I'm still, you know, doing music even, you know, after he got his deal and went off and you know did his thing. You know what I mean? Okay. So, Mark Pitts becomes your mentor. You're under his tutelage by Storm Universal. Um, at the time, for those who may not know, Mark was also managing the career of a young man who, again, would go on to be legendary um, in the industry. Um, by the name of Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie Small. Okay, so take us through briefly that transition Mm -hmm. from leaving leaving Howard, coming to New York, being under the umbrella of Universal by storm, everything that's initially going on with Biggie at the beginning of his career, and Mark actually juggling you as a brand-new artist, Big has some heat behind him because he's got Bad Boy. He's got Aris as distributor over there. He's got Sean Puffy Combs as the executive producer of anything that he does. So just briefly give us an idea of what that was like and what was your first literal introduction face-to-face with the Notorious VIG? Well, once, you know, Dot had, you know, introduced the idea to Mark and Mark decided to pull the trigger and sign me, this was in between uh, – Ready to die in life after death. You know what I'm saying? He actually big okay. was beginning to work on life after death. So this, you're talking about the spring of '96. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, Mark really, you know, kind of started concentrating on doing his own thing. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, of course, you know, Big was still in the fold and all that other stuff, but it, it was a, it was at a good time where he didn't it, it 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 didn't feel like, at least from my perspective, it didn't feel like he was, you know, splitting time between two different situations. You know what I mean? Um, right. And at the time when I first or I guess when, when, when Dot first gave him the demo, you know what I'm saying, and he, uh, Mark had heard 
it was like maybe four or five, maybe three or four songs on the demo. You know what I'm saying? This is back in the day when we used to, you know, send out the demo tape. You know what I mean? Um, much yeah. different from the times now. But he had heard uh, a couple of songs on there. It was two standout songs that he heard. He heard um, uh, 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 No Doubt, this joint I had called No Doubt, and he heard um, uh, Repent which happened to make the Many Faces album. And so right. those are the two songs that got me, like, that that, that sealed the deal. But then he also, I think what happened was, and I'm, I wasn't in the car when he played it for Big, but I think he was also looking for Big's seal of approval, too, because he played the joints for Big. And when Big heard the joints, he had told him, yo, this dude is nice. You know what I'm saying? So that kind of, mm-hmm. I think, gave Mark the confidence to be like, you know, the, you know, after Dot had already, you know, tried to package it and all that other stuff. I think Big, you know, basically told him, yo, man, you, you, this dude is crazy. I don't know if he said sign him, but I I think just because, you know, from one MC to another, he heard the skills and was like, "All right, let's let's make it happen." You know what I'm saying? Um, or mm-hmm. or this dude is nice, and then Mark ran off and, and actually signed a deal. But, um, you know, and then I think that also gave Big the the because the B line. I mean, I'm, I'm giving you some jewels here. I didn't pay what Big supposed to get paid as a feature. You know what I'm saying? At least what. Of course, it didn't come out of my pocket. It came out of the budget. But I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, the fact that, you know, I think he respected my skill. So it was like, okay, yeah, and and Mark, you know what I'm saying, being as though that Mark's his manager and that's his label, he's doing him a solid. But, I, again, but I also think that he could have charged, because it wasn't coming out of my pocket, he could have just hit Universal up for most of my budget. You know what I'm saying? Right, but I think right. he respected the skill enough that, he also, or Mark also made it happen so that me and him could get on the record, which turned out to be keep your hands high. You know what I'm saying? So um, um, I, I think that that I think I got signed at a good time where where Mark can put his concentration into you know, and 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 to be quite honest, Mark gave me a lot of freedom with this album. But I think it it, it came at a good time where Big was you know, in on the verge of working on you know what I'm saying life after death. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, he was still able to concentrate on, you know, putting out a Trey Lee project and being able to get us together to make what I think now is is, is, is a classic and keep your hands high. You know what I'm saying? Right. So let's talk about Many Faces. Many Faces is your debut album, once again, on a major label, um, mm-hmm. by Stone Universal. You just mentioned Keep Your Hands High. That was a collaboration with Notorious B.I.G. Um, you also had... Uh, Party time, which mm-hmm. is a club mm-hmm. classic across the board even to this day, um, and the mm-hmm. remix of that featured Buster Rhymes. Now here you are, brand new artist, during a time when hip hop is really selling records. Budgets are huge, video budgets are huge, and you got two platinum plus superstars on your debut album. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to the cover, and I look on the cover of that album. I don't know that they're on there. Why is that? Well, 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 well. Buster is on there. Buster is on there as a feature. So, whoever he was signed with at the time, they gave us the rights to be able to advertise that Buster's on the album, and we actually shot a video for the theme remix. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, Big, yeah. that's a whole nother story. You know what I mean? Big, and and 
you know, a lot of people come to me to this day and say, hey, man, if if, if if you were able, and I knew this already, if you were able to advertise the biggest on your record or if you were able to put that out as a single, if you were able to, you know what I mean, uh, uh, shoot a video for that joint, you would have been out of here. And, and, and they are probably right, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and again, we, we drew that conclusion before anybody even approached me with that. Now, why and, and how did that happen? You know, I have no idea. I could speculate all day. You know what I'm saying? I could say it was, you know, Ariston, Clive Davis. I could say it was Puff. I could say it was, you know what I'm saying, whomever. You know what I'm saying? Whoever mm-hmm. the powers that be they just did not allow that. Why they didn't allow that, I have no idea. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't know if they thought that I would take away from big sales, which leads us to another situation is why my album was released the same day as Life After Death, you know what I'm saying? You know, you weren't going to, especially after the late, great Notorious B.I.G. had moved on and passed, you know what I'm saying, and and left us prematurely, you weren't going to put out a Trey Lee album on the same day as his album, Posthumous, and expect, Trey Lee to sell, you know what I'm saying? Which I think was a marketing mm. blunder. You know what I mean? I don't care if you put it mm-hmm. side by side, next to each other, or what have you. you you're just not. So, it, it, there, you know, if I go back and, and, and just look at everything and how everything was handled, it, you know, it was a lot of mistakes, a lot of gaps, a lot of, uh, you know, things that, you know, if you if you could do or have a do-over, that you would definitely do it over. But as far yeah. as, you know, the, the whole advertising of, of big on the album, man, that that was huge. You know what I mean? And who's responsible? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I made my speculations throughout the years, and, you know, we'll never know. But but it, it was a huge mistake, i tell you that. Right. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, record, the recording process, I've heard you speak on in different interviews. Um, when was the last time you saw Late great notorious B.I.G. Oh, it was the night he passed, man. It was the night he passed. We went to the uh, the to the uh, it was, we was out there for the Soul Train Awards. We was at the the the, the car museum where the where the, where the party took place. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the the funny thing is, or not not funny thing, but the the ironic thing was, I wasn't. I wasn't, you know, just something didn't feel right to me. And I'm not saying that I knew something was going to happen or anything like that. But that night, just at leaving the party, I just wasn't, I wasn't in the right state of mind. And I have no idea why. But I happened to be walking out with Big. You know what I'm saying? Big was to the right of me. And we were actually headed to the Playboy Mansion to go to an after party after that. And so Big, you know, he was looking at me and he was like, Yo, what's up, Trey? What's the problem? What's the problem? You know what I'm saying? I was like, I don't know, man. He was like, Yo, man, this is. I don't, I, I don't know either. Like, you just left a dope, dope ass party. Like, it, put a smile on your face. We about to go to the Playboy Mansion. What's up? You know what I mean? Let's get it. And so, when he said that, you know, I was like, All right, bet, bet. You know, it, 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 it pet me up. You know what I'm saying? It brought, it brought some spirit to me. You know what I mean? So I was like, You right, big. Let's do it. You know what I mean? So, as we're walking out. He went to the right, I went to the left, I went to the car with Mark and them, you know what I'm saying? And they went to the truck, and MCs and all of them. Oh, oh was, it, was C's in the truck? Oh, I know D, Big D was in the truck. But anyway, they went that way, we went this way. And then so we're pulling off from the museum, and I swear about two, three minutes later, maybe five max, 
Mark gets a call. He gets that he gets that call that nobody expects to get and we we make a quick U turn. I mean we, we I mean we made a U turn. We made a UE like immediately because as soon as he got off the phone, like a big guy shot. And so we made a U turn, went to went to the hospital and um, you know, unfortunately we got that he got that news. I mean, Mark got that news first, and it came out. I was mm-hmm. with Mark. He came out, and he just we just walked. It was just me and him, and he told me what was up, you know what I'm saying, before it got to anybody. And it was just like, you know, of course, tears were shed, and I was just in shock, and you know what I'm saying, and, and, and it was just... It was just a weird energy and a weird, you know, out there. You know what I mean? At that time, like right at that, mm-hmm. if you could, if you could capture that moment in time, it was just a weird, weird, weird energy, man. And so, even from that point, when I still had to, you know, go push record, push my record, you know, what I'm saying throughout the summer and all that stuff, when I would go to the West Coast, I would actually get death threats just because of the fact that I did a record with Big. You know what I'm saying? So, it it was just a weird energy at that time, man. So, I mean, how is it now with you going to the West Coast back and forth? Oh, it's all love. Hey, my, I, man, listen, much love to the West. I mean, it, like I said, it was just at that particular time, it was just crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like how that whole East Coast, West Coast, West Coast thing, I mean, you know, of course, we, we it's documented on, on how it got started and, and, and where right. and all that other stuff. But for even for it even to get to that level is just, like, baffling to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. for, for two coasts to, to actually not like each other because they're on different coasts is crazy to me. You know what I'm saying? And we're talking about mm-hmm. black people here. We're talking about our own right. people. Like, I don't even know how it elevated to that point. But now, come on, now, now, I mean, I ain't even going to say, it, it, like, I would say maybe a, a month after I got that death threat, even when I got the death threat, it was still all love. I remember running into um, 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 Fatal Hussein and, and, and all of them cats that ran with Pac, you know what I'm saying, at a party, you know, maybe like maybe like 99 or 2000, and, 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 um, and you know, it was all love then. And, and that was still, like, you know, kind of after, I mean, just a little bit after the height of all the BS. But, you know what I'm saying, I, I had ran into cats, you know what I'm saying, uh, and, and it was still love back then. So it, it, was, it was, like I said, it, it, was, it was weird energy and weird time at that night at the hospital. It was, you know, a couple of instances, you know what I'm saying, here and there that, that was basically the – the, the the backlash to that whole East Coast West Coast thing, but overall, man, it's always been love on the West Coast. During the time that you were receiving threats, were there numerous threats, or was it just like one or two during that? No, it was like just one. It was like just one or two. It was like just one or two. It was it was one when I was uh, Northern Cal. I wasn't even I wasn't even in LA. I was in like Northern California or something like that. And it was some knucklehead that called into the radio station. Didn't even identify themselves. You know what I mean? So yeah. you know, yeah. I you know, for all I know, it could have been some you know some square just you know just doing it just to do it. You know what I'm saying? So right. Right. So now, correct me if I'm wrong. Right before Big's passing, um, out on the West Coast, Soul Train Awards, Peterson Museum. Correct me if I'm wrong, but were you Notorious B.I.G., Little Kim, Mace, and I believe the Locks? Were you on that schedule to start touring together? At that Absolutely. time, that would have been Big. big oh yeah. First Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And that and that was really supposed to be, you know, the saving grace. I mean, in the midst of not being able to advertise big on the, on the record, in the midst of, you know, I mean, not uh, shooting a video or, or able to get single rights, sticker rights or anything like that. That was going to be the saving grace. Like if I would have got out on the road and opened up for that tour, then, you know, speculation is that we would have been out of here. And I might not have went to law school. So, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's kind of like a, a blessing in disguise, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm definitely happy with the moves that I made post that right. time, you know what I'm saying? Right. So you're on Universal. Everything comes full circle, the tragic passing of big. Where does Tracy Lee see himself at that time? What's the relationship like with Universal Records? And is there a sophomore album? And if so, was it ever released? Hmm. So after we, you know, get through the summer, we push, you know what I'm saying, the the, 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 the party time joint, the theme. We released another single called Give It Up Baby. Um, didn't do so well. Uh, um, and I actually, I didn't want that. I mean, I'm, I was in love with all my records, don't get it twisted, but I just didn't think that that was the record to be released after the theme, you know what I'm saying? Actually, mm-hmm. uh, to back it up just a little bit, I didn't think the theme should have been released when it was released, you know what I'm saying? We had another record mm-hmm. that we did uh, called uh, uh, I Like It Like That, where we used the D'Angelo sample, the, um, the uh, lady sample, you know what I'm saying? Way before mm-hmm. Game did it, you know what I'm saying? We're talking about 20 years before Game did it. We we had that record, and Jocelyn Cooper actually uh, owned the publishing to it, and she was, uh, I guess, vice president up at Universal. So I thought that was a layup. I thought we, you know, we would be able to single that. And matter of fact, if you ask Kid, Kid Capri to this day, that's still his favorite Trey Lee record. He used to kill that joint because we white labeled it, put it in the street, but we did not get the right to be able to clear. We didn't get to clear the sample, so we couldn't single it. So then here came the theme. So then that the theme was supposed to be the second joint, you know what I mean? But anyway, um, I thought Stars in the East should have been the single after the theme, which um, um, which had my R and F brothers, you know, what I'm saying one step beyond on it. Uh, but we we released uh, Give It Up Baby, didn't do so well, um, and so Universal. I guess, and this was during the time, I mean, after that summer, we went back to the drawing board, we started creating some, you know, some new music, uh, and, and set up the live from the 215 album, uh, uh, it wasn't called that in the beginning, but we eventually came to that, to that consensus that it would be, and this time, we, uh, took a more direct approach. Many Faces was a concept album, Many Faces, you know, and and it, and it was critically acclaimed, you know what I'm saying, because, right. you know, people at that particular time didn't didn't want the the concept. They didn't want the, the five personalities. They wanted, you know, especially after they heard Party Time, they wanted me to be Party Time all the time. And they didn't know right. that Trey Lee had bars. They just thought, you know what I'm saying, I was just this party MC. So, I mean, just off of one record. But then when they got into the album, there was, a, there was a few people that were disappointed because it didn't go in the direction of what the single was about. So 
Okay, so we went back to the drawing board, did live in the 215, and live in the 215 was supposed to be just a direct approach. It's just supposed to be bars. You know, I'm on my tough guy shit, you know what I'm saying, and all of that. Um, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And and, and that, that wasn't me, man. I mean, I can say that now. That wasn't me. But at the time, you know, it was like, okay, y'all think I'm this, y'all think I'm that. Let me, let me you know, uh, uh, enhance the vibrato a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Um and so we began to work on that, but in the meantime of working on that, there's and and, and keep in mind, let me give y'all some back, a little bit more backstory. Keep in mind, Universal is a is a is essentially a new label, and especially right. when it comes to hip hop, you know, there's a lot of people up there that just didn't know what they were doing with regards to hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Right. They were straight. Right. They were Absolutely. straight looking for the, the the. They were looking for radio. You know what I'm saying? They were looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, things that get to be played on the radio it was a money game. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, they weren't the ideal label for hip hop at that particular time. And so now, when I'm working on the 215 album, they're still looking for records that that will stick. You know what I'm saying? Especially when it comes to radio. So as I'm working right. on that, here comes the St. Lunatics and, and Nelly. Here comes Birdman and Wayne, and then when Cash Money. You know what I'm saying? So now all the attention is getting paid to them. And so kind of, you know, right. Trey Lee kind of slips through the through the cracks. Not to mention Boss Storm is no longer with Universal. They 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 basically said, Okay, we're gonna sever ties with you Boss Storm, but because Trey had a little bit of success, we're gonna still see what he can do, you know, up on this label. You can take whoever else you got on your roster, but we're keeping Trey. So that worked to a disadvantage, you know what I'm saying? Because now I don't really have anybody in the building you know, that right. I can look to for the support. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. my my label's gone. So now they you know, they attach me to a couple of A and R's. You know, no disrespect because I know you're trying to at that particular time these people were trying to move themselves up in the ranks and all that, but they assigned me an A and R that had no experience whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't even know if they like right. the music or not. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like Boy, you really are, are, are putting me at a serious disadvantage. You know what I'm saying? So, nevertheless, we finished the album, and you know, it, it comes. It, I mean, at, at that time, like I, I listen to it now, and it's cool. You know what I'm saying? The beats of bananas. D. I did his thing, and the producers that were Charlemagne and and, and all of them cats that did their thing on the, on on the album. The beats of a young Kanye West had two joints on the album. You know, sort of the the beats are knocking. It's just that I wasn't in the right place. I wasn't in the right mental space. Like I said, I'm on my tough guys. Like, you know, it's just excessive, you know, excessive cursing for no reason. And just, you know what I mean? But, I mean, of course, the skills are still there. I pride myself on being a lyricist, so the skills are still there. It's just that I kind of cringe when I listen to it, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, again, there were people that heard it and was like, yo, this is knocking. But, ne- nevertheless, we finish it. But, Universal did not release the album. They actually dropped me before we had a chance to put the album out. We shot a video uh, uh, for this joint called We Like, and it had the likes mm-hmm. of a young Ludacris in the joint. It had, uh, um, uh, um, who else was in there? Fat uh, Man Scoop. Lil John, Fat Man Scoop. 
You know what I'm saying? All 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 of them on the you know on the verge of coming up. You know what I'm saying? They right. you know, um Brian Barber actually shot the and Brian for those who don't know Brian Barber is is the video man behind Outcast and and, and 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 you know, and the movies that they shot and all that. So he shot this particular video. And uh we, we put that out there. But again, before we could actually release the album I was dropped. So that that's yeah. where we are, and I, again that that went to, you know, new cats coming in, you know, the the people upstairs paying attention to them, pumping the money into them, and me not having any support up in Universal. So you are because so Bosco close. Is gone. Mm-hmm. You're so close at this point. You've come a long way up until this point. You are so close. You're right there. You're indirectly next to Puff and the Bad Boy movement, association wise. You're right there with Big because you're on Wax on your album with a song with him, where a lot of people say, you know, both of y'all went toe-to-toe with each other lyrically on Keep Your Hands Hot. You have a hot single in the theme. You have a hot single in the theme that's doing very well in the clubs, gets people on the floor, gets the bodies moving, heads nodding, body shaking, the whole nine yards. You got a remix to that with Buster Rhymes. Okay? So you come through all of that, then to lose big right before, you know, you really, you know, are about to shoot off into the stratosphere with the tour, the label drops you. Universal Records drops you. After all of that, where are you? Mm. So after they dropped me, man, I really had to do some soul searching. It's like, you know, I met with Monty Lipton who uh, is the president at the time. And, you know, he calls me in there. He breaks the news to me. And it was kind of an omen because I had, right before I got the news, I went to Miami. You know what I'm saying? It was for a show. But when I get down there, it's you know I mean? we went to Miami. It was like in January or something like that. It's cold. It's raining. It's wet. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's not Miami. You know what I mean? The show gets canceled. Right. So it was like that was a bit of an omen because as soon as I got back, I got the news, you know what I'm saying? Right before I got out of the mm-hmm. airport catching the car, you know what I'm saying, back to my spot, it was like, uh, you know, your services are no longer needed. So um, I went up, met with Monty. He gave me a um, – he cut me a $10,000 check and, you know, basically mm-hmm. he told me, um, you know, maybe you could take this and do some things independently. And if you get some things, you know, bubbling independently, we may take a look back and all this other stuff. So I'm like, all right, cool. So, you know, I took the check. And I, I I I can say now, maybe not at the time, but I probably was in, into a, a stage of mild depression. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. As I look back at it, you know what I mean. I went back. I went back to my mom's crib, actually. You know what I mean? Um, and and you know, I went there and was you know trying to find myself, trying to figure out what I'm gonna do next. And you know, I probably was there maybe about four or five months. And then, you know, my mom comes and, and uh, you know, I got, I'm got i starting to get, you know, even though I'm in and out of the house because I'm still able to, you know, go to certain spots and do, do cameos here and there. But, you know, I'm getting a little bit comfortable. So then my mom, you know, one day she woke me up and was like, yo, you got to go. She's like, I don't care where you go, but you got to leave here. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, oh, okay, so now... It's like, okay, I got to mentally prepare myself and get myself together and figure out what I'm going to do. So I call my brother. He's living down in Atlanta. He got a spare room, so I, I fly down there. I live with him, you know what I'm saying? And then when I get down there, he decides, you know, everything is, is starting to come together, but my money is dwindling, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, 
in the midst of that, he decides he's going back to school. So then he winds up, you know what I'm saying, leaving Atlanta. So now I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So then I, I I maybe was down to like maybe $7, right? So what mm-hmm. I did was I'm down to $7. This is this is like, this is real talk here. I'm down to $7. What I'm going to do with $7, right? So, I, yeah. I you know, I'm I'm constantly just, I'm a spiritual cat. I'm a real spiritual cat. I talk to God. I talk to the Lord every day. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, yo, mm-hmm. I, I, I I need some guidance here. I need to find a way. So I'm like, you know, I got $7 to my name, nothing in the bank. What am I going to do? So it was like, Okay, the most I could do with seven bucks is probably go get a meal, but then that's it. So I went to, you know what I mean, and I know everybody has their viewpoint on, you know, churches and all that. Like I like I said, I'm not really religious, you know what I'm saying? I don't believe in that division, but again, I'm a spiritual mm-hmm. dude. So I just took the money and I went to church and I, you know what I'm saying, I'm praying and I, I just drop it in the collection plate. I was like, this is all I got, man, here. Yeah, I'm giving it to you, God. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what they're going to do with the money, but I know what my intentions are. I'm giving it to you. I put it in the plate. About a week later, I get a call from somebody in, in, in at the universe, at Universal uh, in, in, in L.A. I guess that's where the, the publishing arm is. So I get a call from them, and they say, yo. No, I get a call from Wayne Barrow. Wayne Barrow is the cousin of Mark Pitts, who is the president of Boston. So I get a call from him. He's like, yo, man, you might want to give, you know, uh, Universal a call. I think they got a check for you. I don't know for how much or nothing, but I think they got a check for you because they reached out to us. I say, okay, cool. So I call them, call, I call the uh, the offices in L.A., and they say, yeah, you know, we got we got a couple checks for you. Um, just send us a, a mailing address, and we'll get it to you. So um, I gave them the address. And, and and at this time I'm in Atlanta, you know, I, I, and 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 this is not so we're gonna we're gonna hit and dismiss this part of the story. I met a young lady, you know what I'm saying, and and wind up staying there. So we'll just end it right there. So I gave that address, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. um, I get a check maybe a week later, right? I, like I told you, mm-hmm. I'm done. I have no money. I get a check maybe a week later. I get a check for like ten thousand dollars. I said, oh okay. Bet. I'm back on my feet. Now, what am I going to do next? You know what I'm saying? Because I'm still trying to make records independently and all this other stuff, but that's just not working. So, I mean, to be quite frank, I got to go get a job. So now I'm working at um, Aaron's Moving moving Furniture, this place called Aaron's. And the funny thing about uh-huh. that is they still playing my video on VET and all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Still playing the theme right. on the radio and all that. So I'm still getting recognized in the street. One day I move some furniture. I'm going to get back to the check story again, but this is a sidebar. One day I'm moving some furniture in somebody's crib, and they like, yo, Trey, what are you doing here? You know what I'm saying? Like, Because at the time the video was on the television. So they see me in the right. Aaron's uniform moving the furniture, and they looking at the video like, how is this happening? You know what I'm saying? So, but the uh-huh. But the beautiful thing about it is I didn't get chastised, I didn't get teased, I didn't get none of that. They were just like, yo, you do you doing what you gotta do. It was like I got more respect for that than I did, you know, and, you know, and I guess that that's attributed to, you know, I guess the type of person that I am. You know what I'm saying? So right, you know, I right. wound up kicking it with them for like a good twenty minutes, you know what I'm saying, before I went back to the to the spot. But anyway, I get a ten thousand dollar check and then maybe four days after I get another check for like sixty, seventy grand. You know what I'm saying? All based serious? all on my faith. You know what I'm saying? Based all on my faith and giving it to the man upstairs and letting him handle it. You know what I'm saying? Because 
I could, there was nothing else for me to worry about. Like, what 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 else am I going to worry about? I, I don't have no money. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, I gave it to him, and he handled it. Stop right there. Let me backtrack. You're down to your last seven dollars. Your last seven dollars. Mm-hmm. You put it in. You put it in the plate. Mm-hmm. You got nothing else to lose. You got no wins as far as you can see. A few days later, mm-hmm. you get a check for ten grand, and then a week or so after that, you get another check for you said almost sixty, seventy thousand dollars. Yep. Glory to God, brother. So, so you have almost seventy to eighty grand, and this is mm-hmm. from we, we're assuming this is royalties and stuff that came in from yes. the music. Absolutely. So, with that being said, how many years is this after Many Faces has been released? This is 2002. So, we're talking about five years later. Okay. Okay. We got to wrap, get ready to wrap this up. But here's the thing at that time, and with the amount of money you received, what did you think the projected sales of Many Faces were? Oh, man. Who. That that's another big mystery, sir. I have no idea. You know what I'm saying? Like because I've gotten reports that it was, you know, maybe two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, but the, I mean three hundred thousand copies. But the way my splits were on that record, on that album, it had to be more. Uh-huh. It had to be more. You know what I'm saying? It had wow. to be more. Well, we're gonna take a break. Um, we want you to hold on, and uh, we'll be right back to continue. Um, and wrap up the second part of our interview from artist to attorney, Tracy Lee, right here in studio, First Fam Radio. Big T in the house tonight. I just went roll me a book. Big C come throw me a hook. My rope will look good. You see the gold in the wood. I'ma go roll through my hood. Gorilla glue on the menu. I've been packing these menus. I'm still trapping in rentals. I'm a master Blake Genzu. You ready to roll? I got some plenty to blow. I saw the levees get broke. My Chevy look cold. I got incredible flow. How can I ever be broke? Aretha Franklin, let me take that. Shit it on him with the Maybach. Like Diddy say, nigga, take that. Oh, you do pills, you want a K-Pack? We breaking down them bows. You breaking down them moles. We just pray on our foes. We don't play what I know. How could you doubt me at all? What you know about me, that's all? I'ma go buy me some egg, I'm such a hound for that paper. Bitch, feed me shrimp, cook the meal, put the bill, look for real, my looks can kill. Name a rapper from my city, yes I did it, I helped jumpstart careers. I taught you rappers to bow, double cup jury and all. Tamales be making it fall, dawg. Wanna be a baller, 